0: The success of an organization really starts at the top. You need strong leadership to make a nonprofit successful. And a board of directors can seem like a huge asset because you're not just by yourself, you have a whole board of directors that are supposed to be helping you serve your mission providing organizational guidance and oversight but unfortunately a lot of the executive directors that i speak to actually have their board as a big pain point they say that it's hard to keep their board engaged and they spend a lot of their time begging their board to do stuff trying to keep them accountable hoping that they show up at meetings and just kind of reporting out what they do as the executive director rather than hearing how the board is really helping them. The board doesn't add a whole bunch of value and that's really heartbreaking because a board can and should add a whole bunch of value. So I want to talk about how we get the right people on your board, how we keep them engaged and how they can make your job so much easier as the executive director. All right, let's talk about it. welcome to episode 11 of the harvesting results show where i help you serve others by providing you tools resources and advice so that you can nurture your roots to harvest the fruits of all of your hard work and dedication to your unique cause i am rebecca Britt, your host and today we are talking about board engagement Your board should not be something that is just a pain in your butt and when you're thinking about your board, you're like, oh, I have to go report to them. No, your board should be like with you in it and understanding exactly what you go through, exactly what you're trying to achieve and they should be helping you achieve that by offering their talent, their treasure, their network to really help you move forward in your mission. So, if you have not yet snagged your seat to the master's class, it's free for you. You can go to katulocom slash startup. And there I have a master class of the top three mistakes nonprofit startups make. And one of those mistakes is choosing your friends and family for your board. A lot of people just start a nonprofit and they think of who can I get to sit on my board? Because you have to have some members of your board, usually a treasurer, a secretary, and a chair to sit on your board before you can even Establish a nonprofit, a lot of people just say, okay, well, who do I know and who's closest to me and who do I trust, right? And they extend an invitation to their friends and family. The problem with that, though, is it's hard to hold your friends and family accountable and they may not have the talent and the treasure that you need to really make your mission move forward and to accomplish that. So, you don't want to choose your friends and family. You wanna choose people intentionally. So you can head on over to katulocom slash startup to snag your seat to that master's class. So today let's talk about board development and board engagement. Really, really important. So the first point to having an engaged board is to make sure that you choose the right members, you develop the right board. So we're not gonna choose our friends and family. We are going to figure out who we need on our board and then extend invitations intentionally to people that we think are going to help further achieve our mission. So how do we do this? We need to figure out what do you need. You might have a passion, you might have a purpose, you might bring a lot to the table, but what don't you bring to the table? What makes your head hurt? Is it accounting that makes your head hurt? Is it certain expertise in the population you're serving? So maybe you're serving children and you realize like you're not a licensed therapist, but it would be really helpful for you to have a licensed therapist hold the therapeutic framework for your board of directors and help everybody know that you can't do certain things with certain populations because of issues that are sensitive to those populations. You might want somebody that has this credential of a a licensed mental health therapist for children or child psychologist on your board. So you would write up, you know, that expertise would be really helpful. Maybe you deal with housing for a particular population. So maybe somebody from the housing authority would be really great to have on your board, maybe a nonprofit attorney, a CPA. Now, I will tell you that a lot of people advocate for nonprofit attorneys or CPAs or other particular professionals to be on your board specifically so you don't need to pay them, so that you can get free CPA advice, free nonprofit attorney advice. Well, having a CPA and an attorney is critical and you need to have those. But I wouldn't focus a whole bunch of your time getting somebody to sit on your board so that they can give you a free service like that, one that's that important. Because, you know, you get what you pay for. So I really advise that you have a CPA and a nonprofit attorney, but that you pay them for their time and their expertise. I personally had a CPA sitting on my board and he was giving me all of my CPA advice but often I was the last one on his to-do list because he had a whole bunch of paying clients that he had to prioritize and I was supposed to meet with him monthly to work on the books and that didn't end up happening because he didn't have time and then we would push back our taxes and it just wasn't a great situation and I wasn't able to hold him accountable because it was volunteer stuff so Really, what could I say? It was really, you know, get to it when he could. And it didn't work out. It left me in a position where I felt like, uh, he should be giving more, uh, but I can't really ask him for more because I'm not paying him. So I would much rather you have a treasurer on your board that works with a paid CPA, and maybe you do have somebody on your board that's your treasurer or helps you with financial reports and accounting and helps you with your books, but they meet with the CPA maybe quarterly or once a year to make sure all the tax stuff are in order. Maybe that would work for you. So you still have a CPA that's going to help you, but you pay them, but maybe you have somebody sitting on your board that has a financial background that can help you with the financial stuff and they work with the CPA, so they still have a role. Take a Google sheet, you know, and and list out all of the things that you would need out of a board member. If you need a role, like I said, that has specific expertise for the population you serve, do that. If you want somebody with financial, maybe somebody with marketing background, you could really use somebody to set the strategy, look over how you're marketing, look over your brand, If you can find somebody that has a bunch of marketing expertise, they would be great to have on your board. So just think about all of the things that you aren't an expert in that you don't bring to the table and surround yourself with people that have those talents. You also want to think about people that have money or have access to a network of people that have money. Yes, nonprofits need money, okay? But you don't wanna just invite somebody and say, hey, I know you're wealthy and I think you should give to this cause. You really want to research people and invite them personally, listing out how they would be of value to your organization. Not just you can give us free stuff or you can give us money, but hey, I've done some research. I found out that you are really involved in this cause. It's it's something that's close to your heart. And I also noticed that you pulled off this event three years ago that brought in some money and we could really use help with events you would be in a tremendous asset to our board of directors and we would like to extend an invitation. You want to be super intentional, do your research, list out a Google sheet that says what expertise you're looking for, what talent, what treasure you're looking for, write down the person's name, write down their background and make this whole list so that you and your existing board Or if you don't have one yet, you can kind of look through and compare all the people and see which ones you'd like to extend invitations to. In this Google sheet, you can also write who you have extended invitations to and what their response was so that you can kind of keep track of all of your conversations and communications in one in one place. You also wanna choose people with the least conflicts of interest, meaning that they don't have a conflict with your mission or services that you provide. You know, It might seem completely fitting that you're gonna have a parent of somebody that's in the program sitting on your board, but they do have a conflict of interest when they're going to vote on maybe amenities that you're gonna offer to parents or certain services. Maybe if their kid doesn't apply to certain services that you're wanting to Implement at your organization, then they would vote to not have those things because it doesn't benefit them. That's a conflict of interest. At my organization, I had people that owned horses sitting on my board, that those horses were taken care of at the facility of the nonprofit. And they were getting to a point where they wanted to like vote on the quality of hay which really is not a board issue that's an operations issue and that was specifically because they wanted the best thing for their horses but that means that the nonprofit is funding this extra amazing hay for their horses so it's a conflict of interest it had nothing to do with the mission so just think about how are the people that you're inviting connected to your actual mission and do they have any interests that are in conflict with making sure that the organization mission is furthered? Do they have any personal interests that might conflict with that? This might be your friends and family too. Let's say you're not being a very good executive director and they need to make some decisions on whether or not they're going to cut your hours or whatever and they're your best friend. The board of directors needs to do what's best for the mission and have people that are not tied personally to people where there would be a conflict and board members wouldn't feel like they would want to vote for the best of the mission because they want to do something that's in the best interest of the person. They need to be able to be unbiased, And you can get around this with a conflict of interest statement where people sign away that if anything is a personal conflict for them, that they just don't vote on that issue. So you can get around it, but I would definitely consider conflicts of interest and personal interests when you are inviting people on the board of directors. Second point is set job descriptions. So now that you have gotten really intentional about who you wanna choose, you wanna make sure that there are actual job descriptions for each board member. The chair may lead all the meetings, they may oversee the rest of the board of directors, they may hold the board of directors accountable to their duties. I like having a vice chair role, not every organization has this, but I like it because they are going to be trained to be the chair. So when the chair rolls off, there's a new person that's ready to go in the vice chair position. And I like to have the vice chair have some type of background or expertise in nonprofits, either nonprofit development, or they've understood nonprofit administration or fundraising just so that they can kind of lead the way for how nonprofits are supposed to act or best practices for nonprofits. They can give that expertise to the board of directors, but also they can roll up into the chair position and already have that nonprofit expertise. So that's a role for the vice chair. You could look out for someone specifically with nonprofit expertise, ask them to be the vice chair and know that they roll up into the chair position. Now, another duty for the chair may be to look for for candidates for the board of directors and to train them and invite them on. So you don't need to be doing all this inviting. The chair can do that work. So the chair might find that vice chair that has that nonprofit expertise and when that chair rolls off the vice chair goes up and then they start looking for the next vice chair. So that can be a role too. This board development should be the board's job. You also can have job descriptions for your secretary. They should know exactly what the bylaws are. They should know how meetings should be held. They should know how to do the minutes, maybe disperse the minutes of every meeting so they have their own specific role. And then if you have roles like the child psychologist, or you have somebody in marketing, have that be the marketing board position and make sure that there always remains somebody on the board that has this marketing expertise and tell them how they're going to help with the strategy or overseeing the marketing strategy. Now, as you get bigger and bigger and bigger, you may need a board that's only governance because you have a whole marketing department in your organization, you have a whole development department in your organization, but if you're small and you don't have a bunch of staff that are already doing these roles, then that expertise can come from the board it would be great to have somebody that is a development person or knows about fundraising and can kind of lead the fundraising strategy not just ask their friends or family for money and in these job descriptions it can also say that certain board members run committees so maybe there is a board member that's expertise is in events and they do a really good job running events but maybe they lead an events committee so they have volunteers come and sit on an events committee and they delegate different tasks to different volunteers and make sure that the event's gonna go off without a hitch, giving you a lot more resources to work with so that you're not just the executive director that's reporting to the board about how an event's gonna go down, when it's gonna happen, making all the event arrangements and managing all the volunteers. If you have a committee, then you're all working together and the event board member is really helping run that and lead that. Same for marketing, same for fundraising. You can have committees for all of this. And what this does is this really leads to engagement because It allows the board member to not only have a role, not only have some ownership over that role, but they need to lead committees. They need to be in touch with volunteers. They understand the mission, the cause, what it's like to make these connections in the community. They're out there trying to work for your mission. So they really get like, wow, these are some of the pain points. Hard to keep volunteers engaged. This is how much money that we can expect to bring in. It's tough to get food vendors. Like whatever the issues are, it's not you alone realizing the pain points, it's them with you realizing it. And then that really gives them some ownership to go ahead and tap into their network to see how can we fix some of these pain points? How can we make this work? It's not just you, begging them to understand your role or what's happening because they are actively leading some of these discussions. Make sure that you have job descriptions, like literally write out job descriptions and when you are sending an invitation to a board member, say this is the exact role that we think you could really add value, this is what we expect and have the duties listed out and have what you expect from them. There can be a general board expectations document that's separate from the job description. So the expectations document may just say, we expect you to show up to every single board of directors meeting. They happen virtually once a month or two hours long, however it works for you, whatever you expect them to do. It can say that we expect all board members to make a financial contribution. Maybe it wouldn't be fair to have a blanket amount for every board member because everybody has different means in which they can give, but, you could say we will be working with you individually to determine what is a fair amount for you and your family and we will set that commitment for the year. So you work with each individual board member to figure out what can they give and make a commitment with them for that because it's important that you have 100% board giving. It might be hundred bucks for one person, it might be 10,000 for the next person, And it's really important, I think, that you do offer individualized giving plans for each one of your board members because I love having somebody that represents the community or represents the population you serve on your board. So say you're working with addicts, you work with people who have dealt with substance use disorder, and you have somebody that's recently out of rehab, they're just getting their life back together, they've done really great things, maybe they went through your program, And you want them to sit on the board of directors to help just be the representation of the population you serve. And they can give that perspective in all of the board meetings. It's a really valuable role to hear from the actual people you're serving, or at least a representative of that population. But it's not fair to be like, oh, and if you sit on our board of directors, it's completely elitist and we expect you to give $5,000 each year, it's prohibitive now for a great representative of the population. So for them, it might be a hundred bucks or maybe they just need to fundraise a couple hundred dollars from other people, but work with each person on their commitment to raising funds or giving funds to your organization. So now that you've chosen the right people, you've sent out invitations and with that invitation, you sent out a board expectation form that they need to sign that talks about just your general, this is the time commitment it's gonna take, this is what we expect out of all of our board members, this is how we expect you to act in the community, these are the values we hope you uphold, and this is the money we expect you to give or get. And you send them a specific job description for their role that says their duties and what committees they might serve, how they will serve the organization, how they will work with the executive director, Finally, for engagement, once they're actually on your board, you want to make sure that they stay engaged. And one easy way to do this is just to make sure that everybody has a role at all of the meetings. So make sure in the agenda, and make sure you're not the one that's creating the agenda, okay? Your chair or your secretary, somebody else should be making the agenda. That's an easy task you can give board of directors so that they're not waiting for the executive director to say what they're gonna talk about, right? I hear from a lot of people that their board of directors meetings are very much like the executive director just reports everything that's going on while the board of directors kind of just nods and says, cool, you're doing good work, keep it up, and then they disperse. No. That's not what you want. So, what you want on the agenda is actual reports from each board member somehow. So, whether it's a financial report and the treasurer is going to give that, whether it's an events report and the events lead of the events committee is going to give that, whether it's a marketing report where are we at with marketing? What are we doing with that campaign? Just have portions on the actual agenda for each person because when the agenda gets sent out, the board members look at that and go, oh, right, I have to give a report on that. They're expecting that from me. And if they haven't done any work over the last month, guess what? They're gonna jump to some work so that they have something to report. This is just a way to make sure that everybody's talking and contributing and not feeling like you're running the show. As I say this, you also have to check yourself. Make sure as the executive director that you are not just filibustering and trying to fill all the holes and prove that your organization is great and that you're doing good stuff and so you just keep talking and you don't give space for anyone else. If you can uh, imagine, I have had issues with this before. I have been completely frustrated that nobody else speaks up, nobody else seems to do their job and I'm doing everything. But then when I sit back and look at how the meetings go, I'm uncomfortable with any silence, so I just continue to talk and continue to fill the space. And what I realize is, Rebecca, it's not that nobody else has ideas or that they don't wanna be involved, it's that you don't shut up for half a second to let anybody else step up. So what I had to do was really learn to be quiet and sit back and let there be silence. And guess what? When you do that, eventually, People fill the space, okay? And then you can start feeling relieved like I'm not the only one here, okay? But I truly believe that you cannot complain about a problem that you actively engage in. So you cannot sit there and say, oh, it's so frustrating. I have to talk the whole time when you talk the whole time. If you talk the whole time, then don't complain that you talk the whole time. And if you're complaining that you talk the whole time, then shut up and stop talking and let other people chime in. And if you literally sit there for like five minutes and nobody says anything, and it's really awkward, then have a conversation. Like, guys, this is a board meeting. The executive director isn't even on the board. What can we do to help you guys feel like you have a role and you can chime in? I think it's really important that you also check yourself when you're being a martyr, when you're saying, oh, this is so hard, I always have to do X, Y, and Z. Well, what happens if you just stop doing X, Y, and Z? Because now you're not doing it, the problem's solved, right? And then if there's a further problem of like, we need to get other people to do it, how are you setting up your board and other members to actively participate? And if you haven't given them a job description, if you haven't given them an expectation, if you haven't given them a role, let them be the lead of a committee, if you haven't set all of this, then when were they supposed to get the memo about what you expected from them or what their role was? clarity is always the answer clarity conversation communication talk about it and then let it go let run it you know if you've said that they are supposed to give reports and you're like i don't think any of them did their reports sit back and be like all right excited to hear the financial report and if they say oh i didn't get to it say all right well we really need you to do that next time and then maybe some of those are like offline conversations to have but Usually when people are called on and they don't have anything to report, that solves itself the next time they don't want that to happen. Make sure that you have opportunities for them to be engaged and let it go. Let them do what they said they're gonna do. Give them an opportunity to step up. Okay, so let's just recap. To keep your board engaged, you want to first make sure you choose people intentionally, right? Who do you need? what are, what's the talent that you don't have, what's the business acumen that you could really use, and fill a Google sheet with all the names that you can think of that are people that would really contribute valuable contributions to your org, and then go ahead and invite them. When you invite them, make sure you're sending along the expectations you have for them, and make sure you're sending along a job description specific to their role in asking, can you commit to this? Now think about this for a second. Again, I'm gonna say, if it's not a hell yes, it should be a hell no. So if you extend an invitation to someone and they're a little weary and they can't really do half of the commitments and they are not signing their form and getting it back and they're taking a while and your heart is starting to say like, I'm not really sure if this is the right person, I'm already having to beg them for stuff. Right there, shut it down, okay? Shut it down. If it's not a hell yes, it should be a hell no. If you are already getting signs that they're not going to work out and they're gonna be more of a pain for you, maybe they're really, really smart and they're really, really busy. So, And they're gonna treat this as a volunteer role, which means they don't prioritize it. That's not what you want. That's not what you want. So just say, you know what? I don't think this is gonna work out, but we'd love you maybe as an advisor, maybe not a board of directors, but maybe in an advisor role. So we would love to keep you engaged in that way. There's always an opportunity for people to be involved at a lesser level, but make sure if your heart isn't completely in it, then you shut it down as soon as you can. It's easier to get somebody off your board before they're on it. That is for sure. Than to have to like vote somebody off Um, And one bad apple can really ruin, like if there's one person that just never does their stuff, never shows up for meetings, and they're not being held accountable, it really sucks for the board members that do that. And we really need to hold everybody accountable. The chair needs to hold everybody accountable so that everybody that is doing their job feels like they have a great team that they're working with and everybody's there for the right reasons. Once you have those job descriptions, make sure that you have an opportunity for each member to report regularly. So they have a job where they're working with the organization, they're working with the executive director often regularly, and then they have reports to give at meetings, maybe quarterly, maybe monthly, but they have an opportunity to contribute something that they lead completely so that you are off the hook and you can really just go by their guidance and everybody leans on them for that particular thing rather than people leaning on you for that thing. Don't forget to grab your free master's class at katulo.com slash startup. That's my gift to you. Please drop in the comments one thing that you're going to do to increase engagement on your board of directors. What's one thing that we talked about today that you're going to try out and let us know how it goes. All right. I hope that this was helpful. Your board of directors did not join your board to not be engaged. They just don't know how they don't know what you expect from them. People love it when they have a role, when they have a purpose and when they have ownership over something. And it's up to you to develop that culture, that community so that they feel like they are a part of something and really doing something. So give them that opportunity. I hope this was helpful. Thank you so much for your service to this world. See you next time.